0: Um, so, if you were with us last week, we uh, were talking about how, in this next season, we feel like the Lord is asking us to continue to equip you to be everyday disciples. Specifically, in just addressing what's what's on your mind, what are the topics, what are the things that you're facing these days as you're out and about, as you're in, in the workplace, at school, in your neighborhood. Wherever else the Lord has you, what is on your mind? Like, how do you continue to walk with people in your everyday life to point them towards Jesus? How do you walk more faithfully as a follower of Jesus? And so last week, we told you about this online, i don't, like, poll's not the right word, like an online question submission thing called Slido. And uh, a number of you submitted questions, like, a lot of you submitted questions. Uh, over 60 of you. Uh, there are over 60 questions. And so I'm going to take. we're not going to be able to hit all 60 questions, okay? Um, we're going to try to hit some of the big ones that you guys are asking, things that are in our hearts, and, and know full well, like, if you have other questions, don't hesitate after this is all done. A- ask your questions. We're happy to answer them. Uh, m- maybe perhaps in the future we'll come back to this and answer more questions that are on your heart. But I, I want to just bring it up here. Oh, right on. Like, this is just an idea of... Um, The the top questions that people are asking that we're going to get around to answering over the next number of weeks, right? How to talk about homosexuality um, with a friend or family member, other LGBTQ issues. Now that marijuana is legal, is it okay for me to use it? What do you do if someone's walked away from the Lord? How do I have a relationship with people that are in sin? Uh, What about abortions? Women stuff. Committing suicide. People who commit suicide go to hell. I mean, like... Not the lightest of topics, right? But, um, but it's awesome because this is what you're thinking about. And these are the, the weighty measures, the weighty things that are on your mind. And we're going to do our best over the next number of weeks to uh, address a lot of these. And um, our job is, thanks Justin, our job, our hope in this is to address it through two different lenses, right? Right? We want to look at what we feel like the word says about a particular topic and really not just make up an answer. We want to go, what does the word say, which we try to do every week? What's the word say about this? What's the Bible say? What's God say about this topic? But also then with that, hitting through the other lens of how do we practically walk with people with these issues? So if you're struggling with it, how do you walk it out? But also when someone comes to you and says, what do I do about this issue? that you'll know how to walk with them and how to address that with them, okay? Um, let's jump in. Ephesians 4. This morning... um. I Really wanted it to be more of a, of an introduction week and lay a little bit of foundation. So I'm going to hit a few things, but um, these are things that we think are important to lay groundwork and lay a foundation for the next number of weeks as we just address, address these particular topics. So we'll jump into a lot of these topics head first, but before we do, we want to lay a good foundation, and so that's my hope and that's our desire this morning. And so God willing, that'll that'll take place. Let's look at Ephesians four. 12 through 24. I'm going to talk about this as I, as I read it. This comes in the heels of talking about Jesus ascending into heaven. He gives different ministries and different gifts to people. That, that job is so that those gifts can be used to build up the body of Christ. All right, And this is where it picks up in Ephesians 4, 12. I feel like I need to pray. Just give me a second. God, I pray that in the midst of this, that you would remind us of your hope. I pray that in this morning, in the midst of this, this weighty stuff, and the weighty stuff in the next number of weeks, God, that we would be reminded that you are with us, that you are working, and that you are a God of hope. So anyway, this morning, the condemnation and guilt and shame, like one to creep in, God, I pray that you would take that, and you would turn it to hope, that you would, bring it, that you would draw us to yourself in those things. I thank you, God, that you give us the grace to do what you've asked us to do. And so I know, God, this morning in ways that you point us out, point out things you want us to step into. God, we are, we are confessing with our mouths so that we know, God, that you will give us the grace to walk in the way that you want us to walk. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, not in our own ability, but through your grace. And so we lean on that this morning. We thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Okay. Ephesians 4 now, verse 12. These gifts are given, as it says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's our desire at Moran Park. We want to equip you to walk in maturity. Our desire and hope is that we build you up as the body of Christ. That's what we're talking about these particular issues, is to equip you, to train you, um, not just to have that head knowledge and information, but to train you to walk it out, as the Lord calls you to, and to pass it on to other people. So we we need to walk, we want to raise you up into maturity in the body of Christ in verse 13. Until when? Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we need to continue to build up the body of Christ until we all maintain or achieve unity which we have not received yet so we need to continue to build this up till we receive unity but also till we receive maturity mature manhood when you're born again you're born into the family of God but you're born as an infant as a baby you need to grow up into maturity that's our desire for you Moran Park is that we grow into maturity into the fullness of of what God has for us. We don't want to settle for this down here. We don't want to settle for a little bit better than it could be. We want the fullness of what the Lord has for us. That means we grow up into the fullness of him and into maturity. And it says this. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves. And carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay. He's saying that when we are immature, we have this tendency to just kind of go with the wave of the hottest new doctrine, the hottest new thing in culture. We're easily deceived because we're not rooted in what the word says. We haven't had time to be uh, press down and be walking steadfastness in the Lord and then all that now that that's kind of craziness this is what the word says now this is the hot new thing that's that's not what the word says I want to walk in the word uh one, one of my kids this week he, he came home from school and he, he goes hey dad we got a new kid in school this this semester he came after Christmas break he's like we got this new kid a really nice kid he was telling me that his uh, his dad died because he got ate by a, by a shark. It's like, all right. I, mean, I don't really want to call that kid a liar, but um, highly unlikely, um, especially since we live in, I don't know, Michigan, and uh, but he's say, like, no, 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 he told me, he told me he got eaten by a shark, and I thought, man, kids at that young age believe just about anything they're told, right? And I think that's the point here is when he gets older, he's going to know, no, that's not very likely. It's possible, but not very likely because of the fact that hardly anyone gets killed by sharks, especially in Michigan, all all that type of thing. As he grows up into maturity, he's going to be able to stand more firm and not be so easily swayed by what people think or or by what other people say. That's the same thing in the faith. That we want to grow up into maturity so people say crazy things of like this or that or Jesus is an option among money or you know, whatever it may be. That we go, no, 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 I- I'm rooted in the word. I know what the Lord says. I'm not easily, to- easily tossed to and fro. That's our desire for you, Park. So how do we not get tossed around? How are we not carried about easily by craftiness and deceitful schemes? Jump to verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in what? Oh, that's good. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. All right, I, I love this. Because he's saying this is, the, this is how we grow into maturity. We are to grow into maturity in every way. The every way means not just the right knowledge. Growing up in the maturity isn't just having the right belief, but it's walking as Jesus walked. Does your life look the way Jesus walked? And so in this, we want to teach you what we believe is the truth. We want to teach you what we believe the Word says, but we also want to do it in a way that demonstrates our love. Unfortunately, Christians are not often known for speaking the truth in love. They're much more often known for loving to speak the truth. Now listen. I think Jesus is an incredible model. Over these next number of weeks, I mean, we try to do this every week, so it's not just like on these tough topics. No matter what it is, we try to emulate Jesus. Jesus didn't choose between grace or truth. He didn't choose between truth or love. He's not like, oh, I'm going to go love this time. No, I I can't do, I'm going to do truth this time. Jesus upheld them both. He held high the bar of love. I mean, oftentimes, if you look in the Gospels, Jesus actually often led with love. He went to those that are broken, downcast, sinners, some of the worst people. He went and he loved them. He cared for them. He sat with them. He ate with them. He had compassion for them. But does that mean he had, he had a low view of truth? Absolutely not. Jesus had an incredibly high view of truth. But when he spoke the high view of truth, people knew that, they, that he loved them. He upheld truth as well and said, said, I mean, radical things, right? If you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take your cross and follow me. You want to, you want to follow me, you've got to deny, you know, it's, make second best your family. All, all these radical things that Jesus says, he spoke hard things. He spoke true things. He cut right to the heart. But he didn't do that at the expense of love. He did it with love as well. Our desire is to raise up a family of people that walk in high radical truth and high radical love as well at the same time. We don't have to choose one or the other. We get to do both. Why? Because Jesus embodied both love and truth. He was both love and truth, and it is his life that is made manifest in us. His life is implanted in us. Therefore, as we grow in maturity, we can grow in Christ's likeness and walk in a way that models both love and truth together by the grace of God. Amen? Okay. The other thing is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this, <laughs> There's this temptation we have where when you hear someone or someone teaches something that you already agree with, our temptation is to be like, yeah, that's right, Britain thinks so too, boom, more ammunition, eat it, right? <laughs> Don't do that. Let us not forget, we just spent a number of weeks, a number of months actually talking about a bunch of the one another's and how to love one another. That doesn't mean we put that to the side now and just go, now we're going to nail people with the truth. This is what Britain says. This is what Marant Park thinks. Let's get after it. No, 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 nonsense. That we should continue to love people radically and walk in the truth. And, and don't just, this is the case all the time. You're going to agree with me on some things and whoever's teaching and you're going to disagree. You should never believe something I say simply because I said it. That's how cults start, okay? We don't want to start any cults. The Britain cult. That is bad. I'm rebuke that, right? Uh, our desire is that this would spur you on towards the Word, that you would go to the Word and that you would see what the Word has to say, okay? And that as we walk with one another that we aren't just like, this is what see what the word says, but we'd be gracious in listening to one another and hearing where one another's coming from. And we study the scripture together and, 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 and seek the Lord together in these matters, seeking the truth, but doing it in love and patience with one another. Okay, next verse. Um, verse 16. From whom, meaning from Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, the, the next thing here that I think is really interesting is that Paul, who's writing the, this letter to the church in Ephesus, makes a distinction between believers and non-believers. When we answer a number of these questions, it's important to keep in mind That when you ask, like, hey, how do I walk with someone with this? How do I address this question with this? How do I do this with this? It's a very different answer if the person is a Christian versus someone who's not a Christian. Paul Paul says why here. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. Stop for a second. Paul's saying, listen, people that don't follow Jesus live in a way that seems right to them. People that don't follow Jesus live in a way that seems right to the world, seems right, right to their feelings, their emotions, their pleasures, their desires. They, they live however the heck they want because their heart is darkened, their heart has not been enlightened to the good news of Jesus, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that when we look upon Christ, we do not see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we behold Jesus and see him for who he is. And we see that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. We see him as our Savior. We see him as Lord. We see him as the one worthy of praise and adoration and affection. And our heart is transformed. But if you do not know Jesus, you are still stuck in sin and stuck with a broken heart. As the Old Testament says, you still have a heart of stone. Your mind is blinded. Your thoughts are blinded. So even if a way that seems right to someone that doesn't know the Lord, of course it seems right to them. Even in in their heart, if it's like, well, I believe this in my heart. Listen, it says in the Old Testament that the way of a man's heart is wicked and deceitful. Here's the thing. These things and these topics that we're going to be talking about, abortion, LGBTQ, other issues uh, that, that come up, we are talking about the standard God calls us to as believers. We cannot expect someone that does not uh, proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to live in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord. They don't have a heart that's capable of doing so. So oftentimes, like, you watch the news and we get so ticked. The world's going downhill. The world's terrible. They make terrible choices. They hate, of course, because God's not just after morality. God's after a heart that loves and honors and worships Him. And when hearts are transformed, then behavior will follow in a way that honors and glorifies Him. Some of you get way too worked up about the, the choices the world makes. Of course they're going to make bad choices. It's the world. Of course they're going to make choices that are not pleasing to the Lord. Their heart has no desire to please the Lord. So when you go through these topics yeah, we're going to hit a little bit on how do you do this with someone that doesn't follow the Lord, but most of the time the answer is if someone doesn't know the Lord is that you share the gospel with them, that you love them, that you care for them, that you walk with them, that, that you pray for them, that ultimately what they need is not just a right answer on a topic. Ultimately, what someone that does not know the Lord, what they need is they need to return from sin and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and receive the new life that he offers and be restored back to intimate relationship with the Father. That's what they need. then, Behavior follows. But there is an expectation for those of us that follow Jesus that things are different for us. Verse 20. After he lists all this stuff, this is what he says. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, As truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying, We are new creations. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are made new. The old is gone, the new has come. He says, therefore, we've got to put off the old self because that's not who we are anymore. We put that off. We put on Christ. We put on his thought process. We put on his attitude. We put on his righteousness. We put on his holiness. That's what God is growing us up into, is into maturity in Christ. As we talked about this many times before, is we are given a new identity. We put on Christ, but that does not mean that you and I are going to walk in perfection today. It's not going to mean that you're not going to screw up anymore. But what that means is, our heart no longer loves the things of the world, no longer loves sin, it loves the Lord more. What it means is that our heart loves and honors and desires to please the Lord, and when we stumble and we fall, and when it's pointed out, we go, oh, Lord, I, oh, I hate that. I want to turn back to you and receive his grace. So here's something to keep in mind. There's often this attitude when we talk about topics like this. It's like, we, we approach this stuff more in light of, how much can I get away with? Where's the line on this stuff? We'll talk about sex too. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, we approach these topics and it's often like, well, what's the line? How close can I get? Is that really sin? That's the wrong question. The question when you have a new heart is, is this action honoring to the Lord? Like when we approach each of these topics, that should be our mindset. Is this action, is this way of thinking, is this approach, is this honoring to the Lord? Is this causing me to grow, as it says, here in righteousness and holiness? I think oftentimes this idea of lordship gets, um, it gets pushed to the side. We often celebrate Jesus as, as Savior. Praise the Lord. Like, Jesus is our Savior. He saved us from sin. He saved us from hell. He saved us from our uh, slavery to sin. He saved us from all sorts of things. It is completely true, 100% true. But oftentimes, what gets neglected is the fact that Jesus isn't only Savior. Jesus is also Lord. In fact, if you look in the book of Acts, I think this is really fascinating. Just if you look in Acts, Jesus is referred to as Savior. Any guesses how many times? How many? Two. Two. How do you guys know this? You guys are amazing. Two times. Jesus is referred to as Lord over 40 times. We cannot talk about Jesus as Savior and then add this idea of Jesus as Lord later. Jesus is both Lord and Savior. That means when we give our lives to Jesus, it is no longer us who's in charge. It's no longer our desires, our ways, our will. It is His. We have given up our rights. Our old self is dead. Therefore, we desire to know what He wants and what pleases Him. That should be our motive and that should be our desire. Oftentimes, it's like we live in this in-between. It's like, no, I know Jesus has saved me. I got grace, but... These areas of my life, uh, I'm still going to do what I want to do. No, no, when we walk in him, it means we give every area of our heart over to him. And that's what we should be spurring one another on towards. See, there's going to be this temptation when we talk about these topics. (laughs) There's this temptation where it's like, well, this is what I believe, but I don't want to judge somebody else. There's this lie out there that says, Do not judge lest ye be judged. And it's true. You should not judge whether you know the final authority on whether someone is going to heaven or hell. Only the Lord knows that. However, we are told as believers it is our job to judge those within the church. This is what it says. 1 Corinthians 5. Verse 9, Paul writes again to this church in Corinth. they has got some crazy stuff going on there. He says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or swindlers and idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Okay, stop for a second. I'm not, I don't want to talk about his conclusion on the consequence of their sin of not associating with them. That's not my point. But he's saying, like, for those outside the church, he's saying, I, I'm not saying that this applies to them. This is a completely different standard to those outside of the church. Um, but he's, he, he says, I'm not talking about that. But verse 11, he says, but now I am writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Do not even each eat with such a one. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? is Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil persons from among you. Like, what? Right? Now again... I don't necessarily want to get into the details of what was, what, was said, what, what the consequences were here, but his point is, is that no, it's right. Our job is not to judge those outside of the church. That's the Lord's job. But if we are confessing that Jesus is our Lord and if we are desiring as a body of Christ to move on to maturity, to move on to holiness, to greater righteousness, to look more like Jesus, we have an obligation and we have a duty in love is to point out things in each other's lives when it doesn't measure up to what the Bible calls us to be and to do. Like I know this is super uncomfortable, and I know we hate this, and even if we agree, yeah, yeah, we should do this, but we say like, oh, the church will do that, the elders will do that. Okay, listen, M- Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about what to do with someone that's walking in sin. Again, these things aren't talking about if you s- just sin once or twice, it's talking about people that are walking in uh, unrepentant, habitual sin, right? It's one thing like, oh, I sin, and you keep turning back to the Lord, but When he's saying, like, when someone's in sin, the first step is that you go one-on-one with them. The second step is that you take someone else with them. It's the third step, then, that you bring it to the church. This idea of uh, spurring one another on towards holiness and towards greater understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives isn't for the professionals alone. It's not just for the elders at Moran Park. This is all of our job as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. But now, if we are to do that, That doesn't mean we go around going, "Mm, Jody, I saw what you did. We're going to get you, right? Because I can't just walk in truth. I also have to walk in love. That I come with you seeking to understand, seeking to hear what's going on, seeking to know your struggle, seeking to go to the word together and walk with you, encourage you, and spur you on towards the lord that we'd walk in love towards one another that that's our job is that we spur one another on in this man it would be a real tragedy all of a sudden if i see after we start teaching on these particular topics people are going to war over this in the the back but that we would walk in humility we'd walk in grace with one another we'd walk in love with one another to spur one another on towards holiness that's god's ultimate desire for all of us is that we grow in maturity in him but here's the thing before we do that with one another, I think we have to evaluate our own hearts. But Jesus says before you can take the log or the speck out of someone else's eye, you have to take the log out of your own eye. And it's really easy to be critical and, and assume things in other people. But what I want you to do for a minute is this morning is that you would examine and evaluate your own heart is, is that is Jesus the Lord over every area of your own heart? So when we approach these different topics, what are you going to do if the Lord confronts something in you that's different than what you currently believe? Do you actually want to do what he says? There's a temptation. I mean, I do this all the time if I'm not careful. You approach the word and you read it through the lens of what you already believe. So you kind of skim past the things. You're like ah, no, I don't know about that, I don't know about that. And you highlight, oh yeah, this I agree with, this I agree with, and you, want to, and you want to gravitate towards that. Is I encourage you to examine your heart and say, God, if you show me something in these topics that is different than what I currently believe, and you point it out in the word and in my spirit, are you willing to say, God, I will follow what you want, no matter how hard and how difficult it is, and even if it's different than something I currently believe. The other thing I encourage you to examine your heart on is, not just that, You would believe what he says, but are you walking this out in love with other people? You may believe what the word says, and I know what the word says, but that you would examine your heart and say, but am I loving my brothers and sisters? Or am I walking in arrogance and pride and just love to show that I'm right? I think this is a critical foundation for us as we move forward in Parker. If Jesus is truly Lord of our lives, that we come to him and submit all things. We submit our past. We submit our beliefs. We submit our sexuality. We we submit the way, all, all these things that we are coming to submit to him and as difficult as it is, because in doing so when we submit to him we are saying Jesus you are lord over this you can't walk in maturity in areas that Jesus is not the head we walk in areas that Jesus you're the head therefore i'm submitting to you and i want to grow up into you who is the head not me who is the head you're not the head i'm not the head Jesus is the head therefore he's the boss and he gets to determine what is right and how we walk and how we move i know over these next number of weeks like it's going to be whew, it's going to be kind of heavy We want to continue to bring you back to the grace. We want to continue to bring you back toward the hope. But our desire in this isn't just to hammer heavy topics, but that we would be a body who grows up into maturity and lives a life that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the, yeah, let's invite the worship team up and invite the prayer team up too. And I want to just give you a minute on your own, it's just to ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and ask the Lord, God, am I, am I ready to, to, to believe whatever you say for me to believe? Are you, am I willing to do whatever you've asked me to do? Am I willing to go where you want me to go, even if it conflicts with where I'm at? God, would you examine my heart, my motive? Is my motive just to be right or is my motive to honor you? As you do that, we're going to, uh, the worship team, they'll give you a minute here, silence. and is, Let's just do that, actually. Go ahead, let's just take a minute in silence. God, I thank you that as we fumble and bumble our way in towards Christ-likeness and into maturity, that you you are long-suffering with us and you're patient with us. God, would you give us the grace to do that with one another too? God, I thank you that as we grow in maturity that you lavish us extravagantly with your love, God, and I pray that you give us the grace to walk in that kind of radical, extravagant love with each other. God, would you give us a heart that longs for and desires what is true? God, would you help us put aside our, um, even our own preferences and that we lay before you and want truly what you want, that you would continue to grow, in, in, grow us in the understanding of what it means that you are, yes, Savior, and praise the Lord for that, but you are also the Lord of our lives as well. God, I thank you that you are gracious and you are kind and compassionate. I thank you, God, that you've filled us with your spirit to equip us to do the things that you've called us to do, God. And so even now, God, I thank you that even in our ability to lay this down before you is not even in our own might, in our own power, God. Would you give us the grace and give us the ability to lay our lives down before you, our desires, our beliefs, all things down before you in Jesus' name. God, now I, I thank you that you... Um, God, I ask in this moment as we sing, God, that you would lift our gaze and attention towards you, that you are worthy of our praise. The reason why you are the Lord is because you are the Lord over all, that you are the maker of the heavens and the earth and the one who sustains all things, God. And I ask now that you would continue to give us a revelation of the worth and the value of Jesus. God, that we would be captured again afresh in our heart and in our mind of the worthiness of you, Jesus, that we would desire to do it your way because you are the boss, because there's none like you, God. God, would you give us fresh revelation of that this morning? God, for those this morning that this stirs up just guilt and shame and things of the past, God, and mistakes, I pray, God, that you would lavish grace upon them this morning in Jesus' name. God, I give you these next number of weeks too as we address topics that we will agree with and we will disagree with. God, would you grow us in love for one another in patience and spurring one another on towards you and towards love and good deeds. We pray this in Jesus' glorious name, amen.